You're listening to Overcome the Overwhelm for Special Needs Moms with Lauren Lowry. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back. How is everybody doing? I hope you're doing well. And if this is, you know, your first time, if you're new to listening, welcome to the podcast. I am Lauren Lowry. I am a certified life coach and I help special needs moms get out of survival mode. So, and fair warning, I make a lot of nerdy references in this podcast. Yeah, lots of Disney movie references, Harry Potter references, Lord of the Rings occasionally. (laughs) So just, you know, I like to put that as a warning here. (laughs) But okay, speaking of Disney movies, just a little side note here, guys. Does anyone else feel like they've had, we just don't, we don't talk about Bruno, just like an absolute repeat in your head for the past two weeks? Is it just me? Like, I don't know. It comes from a movie Encanto, if you're not familiar. And it is like the only thing that my daughter will watch right now. It's just like on loop at our house at this point. And I can't even be mad because I love the movie. I think I mentioned it like a couple podcasts ago. I love the movie. (laughs) But I cannot get the song stuck out of my head. It is just constantly playing. So, but, you know, that important things, right? <laughs> but anyways, before we dive into part two of Medical Triggers, last week was part one. I, do, I just want to say something real quick. I want to let you guys know that if you are listening to this episode when it comes out, then enrollment is currently open for Overcome Overwhelm. If you're not familiar, um, Overcome the Overwhelm is a 12-week coaching program where I coach my clients weekly one-on-one. I teach you how to go from, you know, exhausted, burned out, overwhelmed to having a life that just feels like balanced and peaceful and easy. So if you have been waiting for that to open up, it is now open for spring sessions. So, and spots are filling, they're already filling up pretty quick. So if it's something you've been wanting to do for, you know, from some time, then this would definitely be the time to do it. So I will go ahead and put the link to register in the show notes, uh, but it is LowryLifeCoaching.com and that is L-O-W-E-R-Y Coaching.com. So you can go there, register, secure your spot, and yeah, we have so much fun. It's awesome. So, but let's jump in. Let's jump into medical triggers because that's not exactly fun, but... Definitely something that was needed. I got so many messages after last week's podcast was released and just how helpful it was. And I am so happy that you guys got a lot out of that. And I hope that this week you get even more because this is kind of going to meet potatoes of like, what do we do now? We know what they are. We understand why it's happening. What now? So let's, let's talk about it. So to recap, a medical checker is really any time something even seemingly small, you know, especially like a mild symptom, such as like a runny nose or a low fever, sends you into like a panic. It sends you into a fight or flight response in your body or freeze. Um, It's when your brain starts racing, you know, it goes to all of those worst case scenarios. You know, that cough your child just did, your brain takes that cough and tells you that your child has COVID and they'll be hospitalized, it'll be bad, they'll have to be intubated and, you know, just worse, like worst case scenarios. And so often these triggers will coincide with past bad experiences. Not always, but usually. You know, if there was an incident, um, even if it was years ago, where your child had 
maybe like a respiratory illness or something and was in the PICU, your brain has made the connection possibly that, you know, all signs of respiratory illness means serious, serious condition means that we're going to end up in the PICU again. It's going to be months of seeing your child in pain and suffer in the hospital. You know, your brain can even go as far as, you know, it can mean bringing up all that fear of losing your child forever even. It's very scary whenever we have a trigger because our brains do offer up all of those very awful, like I called them in the last podcast um, episode, doomsday thoughts, you know. And when it comes to triggers, it's not the actual outside thing that causes them. It's not the actual cough. It's not the actual fever. It's not the actual positive COVID test or seizure or whatever it may be. It is always our thoughts about them. It is our brain's reaction to that thought or to that thing, you know, to that trigger. It is the story our brains attach to them. In last week's episode, I even talked about medical triggers that are not even related to your child. You know, this could be something like the smell of the hospital. I mentioned some of mine that I've worked through, like pink lemonade or styrofoam cups. (laughs) Yeah, it's just random things. Um, It triggers a memory in your brain. Uh, A lot of times people can be triggered by a certain time of year or even like a holiday. Certain, you know, weather situations. Random things can be triggers for medical parents. Well, for anybody who's dealing with something like this. Because it is not about, it's not about the actual thing. There's nothing scary about pink lemonade, obviously. But it is the story that my brain has associated with that pink lemonade. It's the memories that are there. The trauma that is there is our thoughts you know, our thoughts that get triggered by the smell of that hospital. Triggers, they can send us, you know, so quickly right into that fight or flight or freeze mode because our brains remember being and feeling unsafe. And they are trying, they're attempting so hard to protect us from history repeating itself. It's actually a very normal, natural response to a very not normal experience. I'm just going to repeat that here. It is a very normal response. Is it a preferred response whenever we go into the fight or flight mode and we're triggered? No. Is it a desired response? Also no, but it is normal. It is our brains just doing their jobs. And remembering this, it can actually help take some of that resistance out of it. You know, remembering that this is a normal, natural biological event happening in my body allows a level of acceptance in the event like in the moment of it you know whenever you're feeling you're feeling anxious you feel even possibly like like panicky and yes you know I probably you're probably like well I really just would rather not have this oh so normal a thing happen Lauren (laughs) you said yourself how damaging it can be in the long run and I I hear you I do But, you know, sometimes we can't stop biology, right? As much as we hope we can. And we're going to talk about how to lessen this happening. But when we resist it by thinking we shouldn't be having these thoughts, we shouldn't be having this experience, we shouldn't be feeling anxiety when our baby sneezes, that resistance will actually make it worse. It will actually make the whole response and the whole fight or flight mode, it will make it worse for you. Resistance is the thing that keeps you stuck in that response longer and drags it out. So um, for example, I'm going to use myself as a guinea pig here, but 
if Leo had a bad seizure day, which for him, they, they come in clusters and it looks like a kind of like an exaggerated startle reflex. Like his hands go out, like, you know how babies have like startles. Um, so his come in like clusters of those. So if that is one of my triggers, then if this was to happen, we're going to have a bad day of those, my brain would snap into fight or flight mode. I'd get anxiety. My heart rate would go up. My head would be spinning thinking about, you know, should I take him to the ER? What if this never ends? What if he ends up having larger seizures? Like just that whole like, oh, you know, spiral. I would probably snap and get angry at anyone who tried to talk to me. Or I might even like freeze up and do nothing. Now, if I'm resisting this, this whole response, along with all of those fears, worries, and anxieties that come with being triggered... And I'm thinking, alongside all of that, I'm thinking thoughts like, really, why are you being so dramatic, Lauren? Why, why do you do this every time? It's, why is this not a big deal? Why are you doing this? If I'm having those thoughts alongside all of that anxiety I'm going through, it just adds a level of shame almost, you know? It's like I shouldn't be having this experience. It invalidates it. It invalidates the trauma that I've went through in the past. It invalidates my feelings, And can you imagine, just imagine if your best friend, someone that you love so much, said something like that to you. Like, why are you being so dramatic? Why do you do this every time? It's just a sneeze. You're fine. Can you imagine if your best friend talked to you that way? Like, the pain that would come with that, it would be incredibly hurtful. And the same goes for when we say things like this to ourselves. You know, we don't realize it, but it can be incredibly hurtful and damaging. Validating how you feel is an integral part of healing, is an integral part of moving forward and coping. Because it doesn't matter how logical the trigger may seem. To your brain, it is a serious threat to the safety of your child. And that is not something to just be cast aside and ignored and told you shouldn't be feeling this way. You know, so just remember, validate yourself. Remember that this is a normal biological response and remind yourself of that in those moments. Remind yourself that it's okay to feel this way. Remind yourself that this is just a, you know, this is, this is biology. And be there for yourself. Be there how you would want your best friend to be there for you. Be that for yourself. So while we can't always avoid these triggers as much as we would like to, right? (laughs) And we don't want to resist them. Like I just said, we don't want to just push those away. It isn't always ideal to, you know, be stuck in this constant pattern of doomsday panic, is it? You know, it's not helpful to have this illogical type of thinking, like, oh no, a sneeze, you know, I'm being dramatic here, but like a sneeze and, you know, oh my gosh, my child is going to end up in the hospital for months and it's awful. You know, that's not always helpful in our lives. Um, you know, it's not really helpful when you need to be able to think clearly and make decisions, you know, it is also, it's just not fun to be in fight or flight mode, right? It's not fun to have those intrusive thoughts that come. And it's important to note that the fear will probably always be there. That fear of the unknown, because that is just, again, back to things are normal things that our brains do for us. Our brains will always offer up that worst case scenario because that is We are hardwired for survival, and that is part of it. But the important thing here is to note that it is important 
to note that the fear will always probably be there, but the difference is being controlled by the fear and having control of the fear. You know, if there's a certain event or place, cough, fever, whatever that trigger is for you, the first step to get in control of that fear that comes with it and that anxiety is to get really curious. Curiosity. I think I talked about this in the last episode. It's like my absolute favorite mindset hack. It allows you to take a non-judgmental look at what is going on in your life. You know, if you get anxiety every time you have to change out your child's G-tube, get curious. If you panic every time your child sleeps later than normal, get curious. Ask yourself really good, open-ended, and exploratory questions. Almost like you want to almost like study your own behavior. Think of yourself like your own little scientist. You know, you're like... I'm just going to, you know, study what this person is doing, what she's thinking about. Why? Why? That's so interesting. Why is she thinking that? You know, and it sounds silly, but it is highly effective. I swear it is my favorite mindset hack, like I said. And if you have an intrusive thought, ask yourself, huh, instead of saying, oh, man, I shouldn't have thought that. That was awful. Why am I thinking that? No. Ask yourself, say, huh, that was interesting. So interesting. My brain offered that up right there. What could have caused that? I wonder why. And just see what comes up. Just see how your brain answers that question. And you, you, know, you could also write it out like a journal prompt even. Journaling in this fashion actually allows you to slow down just enough to write it out, which increases the awareness around the thoughts that are going on. Write out everything that comes up for you when you think about a trigger. You know, it could be you could think about everything that triggers you. You could even write down everything that comes up. What are all the things that trigger me? What are all my fears here? Or you can even write out even just one thing. If your child coughing or having a fever or whatever does it for you, write out why. Write out everything about it. You know, forget about grammar. Forget about spelling. It won't be graded. No one's going to see it. But just get curious and start dissecting these triggers. And this lets you see where they are coming, where they're coming from if you don't know. And it might start bringing up some of those past experiences. And while it isn't always comfortable to remember those events, revisiting them allows us to spend time there. It allows us to acknowledge any of the unfelt emotions that we may have suppressed from that time. It allows us to start healing those, you know, those events and those feelings that we have around there. Curiosity of our thoughts, it also leads to awareness. Awareness of, you know, patterns, awareness of a cause and, of, cause and effect between thoughts, emotions, and our actions. And this awareness eventually leads to having more control over these thoughts. You know, being able to change those thought patterns, being able to see, you know, what we call like a thought error, which is anytime you have like a thought that doesn't really even make sense. So I guess a trigger really could be seen as a thought error. You know, being able to address those thoughts that lead to additional stress, being able to learn to make changes to those thoughts that are no longer serving a positive purpose in your life. So that is why curiosity, guys, just start questioning, start journaling, start investigating what is going on there for yourself. And the next thing I want to suggest to help manage these medical triggers is to get really good at managing your stress levels. (laughs) 
you know, I want you to think about your stress levels on a scale of one to ten. One, you're on a beach, mojito in hand. You probably don't even have kids in that scenario. Just not a care in the world. That is number one on the stress scale. A 10 on the stress scale is like full-on mental breakdown and panic attack. Yes. So if that's your scale. And you can even label like, okay, today I'm feeling like I'm at a 5. Or, you know, man, after that workout, I feel like I'm at a 3. I was at a 6. That did great. You know, that's how you can kind of assess if your stress management techniques are really working. Um, But if you start your day already at a 7 or 8... It takes literally next to nothing to get to a 10, right? Especially, it takes next to nothing, especially when you are triggered. That is just like, that takes nothing at all. Now, imagine if you started that day at a two or a three or even just like a five on the stress scale. Your threshold before you reach a 10 is just that much higher. You have that much more capacity to handle emotional stressors in your life. So, and the way that we do this, the way that we manage our stress cycles is through consistent and intentional stress management. This is not just stress management when it's too late. You know, not whenever you're already at an eight and only doing it, you know, on the bad days. No, we want to do it on the good days too. And this looks differently for everyone. What works for your stress management may not work for my stress management. And it's one of it's one of those very popular reoccurring themes along with Disney movies on this podcast. Um, so I won't go into too much detail here other than find something to do every single day to calm your brain down, you know, to bring it out of survival mode. And this can be done through the journaling we talked about earlier. That's actually a really great stress management technique. It can be done through exercise, grounding techniques, mind management, yoga, coaching, therapy, so many different ways. But the more time that we set, we spend in our prefrontal cortex, which is where we are when we are de-stressed and emotionally regulated, the more time we spend there, the less impact these triggers will have on you when they come up in your life. You know, the easier it will be to move through them when they do happen. And the calmer you will be able to stay You'll be able to keep your wits about you and, you know, think clearly and logically. Again, if you have to make, you know, decisions or, you know, you need to kind of move quickly. If maybe it is truly an emergency with your child, you want to be in a good headspace so that you can show up in the best way to help your child. And if you are already at a 10 and having a panic attack, whenever that trigger hits, you're not going to be able to be fully present in the way that you need to be for your child. So that is why stress management is so important. I mean, one of the other ways, but it all circles back around to taking care of ourselves is so vital to taking care of our children. So just to recap, one, validate your feelings and remember that this is a normal biological response and not to a not-so-normal experience, right? (laughs) Just remind yourself of that. Remind yourself that nothing's gone wrong here, that you are okay, this is normal to have these thoughts and this experience. Step two is to get curious about your triggers. Study them, get to know them, gain awareness around them. Step three, manage your stress every single day, not just on the high-stress dates. 
learn to live more in that prefrontal cortex and less in our primitive survival brain. So, and remember, you know, if this is something that you are struggling with or you want to learn how to manage this, you know, really learn how to manage your stress and learn how to get control of your thoughts and your emotions, this is exactly what we do in Overcome the Overwhelm. You know, triggers are exactly the kind of things that uh, we work on in, with my clients in their sessions. All kinds of different things, but triggers is definitely one of them. So if you are ready, just let me know. You know, you can go register, claim your spot. I promise you it will be the absolute best decision you ever make. Coaching, I, I don't even know. I haven't had time really on this podcast to explain my story with it, but coaching literally saved my life. And that was way before I ever became a coach. So... I just, if you're struggling, please reach out. Please let me know. Sign up. Keep listening to this podcast. Learn to manage your stress. Just take care of yourselves. That's all I've got for you on that part. But <laughs> all right, ladies. I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you are staying safe and staying warm. And I will talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Overcome the Overwhelm. If you have questions or like more information, head on over to LowryLifeCoaching.com and I'll see you next week.